بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله ويفريج ديسن نمبر ثري تنايت أوف أو أصول الثلاثة or our creed of the righteous uh, course, alhamdulillah. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've spoken about some very important topics for, for, for every single Muslim. And we've focused a lot on seeking knowledge and the importance of seeking knowledge, as well as the importance of ikhlas, the importance of sincerity uh, in the religion, and especially when uh, performing acts of worship and more specifically, when seeking knowledge of this deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is of the best of all uh, acts of worship. Alhamdulillah. Um, last week we spoke about that which is compulsory for every Muslim to know. And coming back to our book, the author, rahimahullah, he mentioned that there are four things that is compulsory for every Muslim to learn about, to study. And the first of that, which is for the first issue, is the issue of knowledge itself. That every Muslim must seek knowledge. And then he specifically mentioned the knowledge of Allah Azza wa Jal, the knowledge of his Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the knowledge of his religion, Islam, with its evidences. And this is what we spoke about last week. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. In tonight's episode, we move on to the next point that the author, Rahimahullah, Makes and he says, The second important issue, the second important point that every Muslim must learn about, must understand the importance of, is acting upon the knowledge. Is the importance of acting upon one's knowledge. So we've covered the importance of knowledge. We've spoken about many ahadith, we've spoken about Quranic ayat where the Prophet ﷺ and Allah Azza wa Jal speaks about the importance of seeking knowledge and the great status that it has. We've spoken about the, some of the quotes of the great scholars and how they exalted the, the status of, of seeking knowledge and acquiring knowledge. However, knowledge has a companion. Or knowledge is a leader and the follower is acting upon that knowledge. And this is the second point that the author, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah, mentions that is important for us to understand, it's important for us to learn about. Because it's important that we get to know the importance of acting upon our knowledge. So he said, Al-amalu bihi, meaning that we act upon our knowledge. Because actions, our deeds, which, is, which stems from our knowledge, is in reality the fruits of our knowledge. What is the benefit of knowledge if there's no action? What is the benefit of learning the Qur'an, learning the Sunnah, learning various ahadith, if it does not lead us to worshipping Allah Azza wa Jal, if it does not lead us to acting by that knowledge? So this is the fruits of the knowledge. This is the result of, of sound, beneficial knowledge. And it is also from the best or the greatest of reasons which establishes one's knowledge. What does this mean? Many of the Salaf, they would say, Subhanallah, and this is a, a very profound statement. They said, 
ala hifz al-hadith we used to seek assistance we used to seek help in our memorization of hadith by acting upon the hadith subhanallah so what does this mean they would learn hadith they would memorize hadith and understand the hadith of course but what they are saying is whenever they acted upon the hadith that hadith would come to mind that hadith would be refreshed in their memory and so by acting upon the knowledge this is what solidified the memorization the hifz and this is how it should be not just with hadith but with quran as well that for those who memorize the quran the best way or of the best of ways to to, to is to solidify your knowledge is to study the Quran, understand the Quran, and then act upon the teachings of the Quran. For whenever you act upon those teachings, that ayah will come to mind, and the memorization of that ayah will be solidified. Subhanallah. So this is how the, the Salaf approached knowledge, and how they approached acting upon knowledge. This is, they viewed it as a way to solidify their knowledge. And the same goes with any, for example, we learn many adhkar, many dhikrs that we're supposed to recite from the sunnah. The best way to remember these adhkar is to say them daily. Because as the statement goes, that repetition will teach even the donkey. But by repeating it all the time, we get reminded of the hadith. With the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, whoever says this zikr in the morning, he will get this. Whoever says this after the salah, his sins will be forgiven, even if they are as much as the foam upon the ocean. For example, so by acting upon our knowledge, we are reminded of the ahadith. We are reminded of the Quranic ayat and so forth. This is what the the great ulama are saying, and this is why it, they say that. By acting upon your knowledge, this is the way to establish one's knowledge. This is what solidifies your knowledge. But somebody who never acts upon the knowledge, he will forget his knowledge. It will not stay with him. Wallahu musta'an. The next point that some of the scholars mentioned is that when we act upon our knowledge, Allah Azza wa Jal will reward us by increasing us in knowledge. That a fruit and a result of acting by your knowledge is that Allah will open up the doors and he will increase you in knowledge. So a person who wants to learn more, a person who wants to have as much beneficial knowledge as possible, then the key to this is to act by that which you know, even if it's a little. Even if it is a little. Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَالَّذِينَ اهْتَدَوْ زَادَهُمْ هُدَوْ وَآتَاهُمْ تَقْوَاهُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And as for those who are rightly guided, then he, Allah, increases them in guidance and he blesses them with righteousness. He blesses them with righteousness. Meaning those who studied and they act upon their knowledge, they are now rightly guided. Then Allah will increase them in guidance firstly. He will give them steadfastness and he will bless them with righteousness. Imam Ashokani, rahimahullah, he commented on this ayah in his tafsir and he said, Zadahum imanan وَعِلْمًا وَبَصِيرَةً فِي الدِّينِ That Allah will increase them, Allah will increase them in iman, in their belief, and He will increase them in knowledge, and in their insight with regards to the religion. Subhanallah. So by acting upon the knowledge, 
the scholars have concluded from this verse that Allah will then bless that person with more knowledge, with insight, with wisdom. And by, he will strengthen the iman, subhanAllah. This is some of the benefits of, of, of al-amal, of our deeds and actions, which is built upon our knowledge. So when a person acts upon by his knowledge, when a person lives in this manner and he acts upon his knowledge, you will find that he will preserve the obligations of Allah. Because he has learnt the importance of salah. He has learnt the importance of zakah. He has learnt the importance of hajj and birrul walidain, being dutiful to his parents and not cutting off family ties and so forth, upholding family ties and the various obligations. And because of that knowledge, he will act by his knowledge and he will preserve the obligations of Allah. And not just this, he learns about the status of the sunnah. He learns about the virtues of nawafil, voluntary deeds. So he doesn't stop at zakah, but he goes and he gives voluntary charity. He doesn't stop with the fard salah, but he prays sunnah, salah, nawafil, salah. And he maximizes his rewards, walhamdulillah. He will spend time with the Qur'an, seeking more knowledge of the Qur'an, reciting the Qur'an and studying the Qur'an. He will be of those who will seek istighfar in the early hours of the morning. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the virtue of those people in the Qur'an. Those who, وَبِالْأَسْحَارِهُمْ يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ That in the early hours of the morning they are seeking forgiveness, they are asking Allah to forgive them. He will dedicate time to sitting and remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, pondering and reflecting over the, the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and about Allah himself. And at the same time, he will avoid gatherings of haram. He will avoid places of time-wasting and of entertainment which is impermissible. He will avoid places and times of negligence. He will stay far away from those gatherings of ghibah, where people sit and they backbite about others, where they slander others, where they spread false information, where they engage in baseless talk, which leads to haram. And this person will avoid these things because of his knowledge, acting by his knowledge. This is the benefit that he will acquire. It will keep him away from haram, and it will bring him closer to Allah Azza wa Jal. And this is, the, this is the whole goal and intent behind seeking knowledge. The goal and intention behind seeking knowledge is not to gain status. It's not to become famous or popular. It's not to acquire anything else in this world except the righteous deeds that it should lead to. Except that it brings one closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that it removes our ignorance and it allows us to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the correct manner, the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is supposed to be worshipped. Subhanallah. So this is, the, this is the key behind seeking knowledge. Knowledge is there to get us closer to Allah. Knowledge is a nur. It's a light from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that should change the person who seeks knowledge. The one who seeks knowledge can never be the same like he was before he sought knowledge. So the alim, the, the student of deen, he, the, he, he will be changed by his knowledge for the sake of Allah. It will be seen in his character. It will be seen in the way he walks, 
the way that he talks, the way that he dresses, the way that he interacts with people, in his patience that he has with others, and in so many different facets of life, knowledge will be seen on him. Because he sought it for the sake of Allah and because he acts upon that knowledge. Al-Fudayl ibn Iyad, rahimahullah, he said, La yazal al-alimu jahilan hatta ya'malu bi'ilmih fa'idha amila bihi kana aliman. This great imam, he said, that the scholar will remain to be ignorant. The scholar, the alim, he's sought knowledge, he's learned a lot. He says he will always be, he will continue to be ignorant until he acts upon his knowledge. So what's he saying? That the one who acts upon his knowledge, he's the, he's the alim. فَإِذَا عَمِلَ بِهِ كَانَ عَالِمًا the, the alim is the one who acts upon his knowledge. Whereas the one who does not act upon his knowledge, he's not an alim. In, in the true sense of the word. Because the knowledge has not benefited him. The knowledge has not had an impact on him. Because knowledge is that which benefits. Knowledge is that which changes the person for the better. And that comes through his deeds and his actions. And this is why Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah, he said, Al-ilmu ma ma He said that knowledge is that which benefits. And not that which has been memorized. Not that which has been memorized. And of course we know that memorizing is very good. It's very important. For the scholar, for the student of deen, it's very important that they memorize as much as they can. But what Ash-Shafi'i rahimahullah means is that this is not the intent behind seeking knowledge. It's not about just memorization. Knowledge is that which benefits. This is the intent behind seeking knowledge. is that it benefits us and that it, it, it changes us for the better. Whereas if we do not seek knowledge, or Afwan, if we do not act upon our knowledge, then this knowledge is not going to be of benefit. In fact, it will only be a, a harm for us. It will only be a cause of regret for us. The one who does not act upon what he has learned, that knowledge will be a cause of regret for him, especially in the year after. In this world and especially in the year after. The hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, لا تزول قدم عبد يوم القيامة حتى يسأل عن أمره فيما أفناه That the feet of the slave will not move on the day of Qiyamah until he is asked about his life and what he did with it. The feet of the slave will not move, will not progress on the day of Qiyamah until he is asked about his life and what he did with his life, with, with, with his life that Allah blessed him with. And and he will be asked about his knowledge and what he did with that knowledge. He will be asked about the knowledge that Allah bestowed upon him or her and what they did with that knowledge. This will be asked to every person on the day of Qiyamah. And he will be asked about his wealth. From where did he earn it and where did he spend it? Because this is a bounty from Allah. And Allah will ask us about it. Where did we earn? Was it halal? Was it pure? Was it good income? And where was it spent? Was it spent in a good way, in a good cause? Or was it wasted? Or was it spent in haram? Allah musta'an. وَعَنْ جِسْمِهِ فِيمَا أَبْلَهِ And he will be asked about his body and for what he did 
uh, how he wore his body out, basically. How he tied his body out and so forth. This will be questioned on the day of Qiyamah. The point we are focusing on here is that he will be questioned about his ilm and what he did with that knowledge. Wallahu musta'an. So let us prepare an answer for this. Whether we are seekers of knowledge on a full-time basis, part-time basis or not. As a Muslim, we must be a seeker of knowledge to some degree. And whatever we have learned of this religion, Allah will ask us about that knowledge. Uh, and so we need to have an answer for this. Subhanallah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also said in hadith in Sahih Muslim, وَالْقُرْآنُ حُجَّةٌ لَكَ أَوْ عَلَيْكَ That the Qur'an is either a proof for you or against you. It's either an evidence for you or against you. And again, what does this mean? It's either for you, meaning that the Qur'an will come and either intercede on your behalf. It will either intercede for you, meaning it will say, Ya Allah, this person, for example, it will say, Ya Allah, this person recited every day. This person pondered over the ayat of this book. This person lived by the teachings of the Qur'an. It's an evidence and a proof for you, for your iman. For your connection with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or it will be an evidence against you. Meaning, the Quran can say, Ya Allah, this person, he never recited the Quran. He was of those who took the Quran and neglected it. Deserted it, Wallah musta'an. Or he was of those who, he recited the Quran, but he never ever studied the meanings of the Quran. Or he was of those who studied the Quran, learned the meanings but he never acted according to the meanings of the Qur'an. He never acted according to the teachings of the Qur'an. And this is very important that we understand, because this comes down to our acting upon our knowledge. And there's a message here specifically for the Hufal. Alhamdulillah, many young Muslims, old Muslims, have memorized the Book of Allah, or have memorized portions of the Qur'an. And they are usually termed, as Ahlul Qur'an, the people of the Qur'an. And alhamdulillah, it's a great status. It's a great virtue for somebody to have memorized the book of Allah. There's nothing that we can spend or invest our time in that's better than sitting and studying and memorizing the, the, the Qur'an. Alhamdulillah. However, what we need to understand is the Qur'an was revealed not to be memorized only. But more importantly, it was revealed to be understood and to be acted upon. Kitabun anzalnahu ilayka mubarakun liyaddabbaru ayatih. Allah says it's a book that was sent down to you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which is mubarak. It's a blessed book from start to finish. For what purpose? To ponder and reflect over its ayat. This is the, the intent, the main goal of the Qur'an is that it should be pondered over and acted upon. And this is why Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he said that the true person of the Qur'an, the true Ahlul Qur'an, he is the person who understands the Qur'an as best as he can and he is the person who acts according to the teachings of the Qur'an. Whether he has memorized it or not. Whether he has memorized it or not. This is not a condition. Because we find, if we look at the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum ajma'in, the best of generations, the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, most of them did not memorize the Qur'an. Most of them did not memorize the entire Qur'an. 
yet they are praised as the best of people. And that is because the ikhlas, the iman, yes, but also because they lived according to the teachings of the Qur'an. And this is the true status and definition of Ahlul Qur'an. Whether the person has memorized it or not. As for those who memorize it and do not act upon it, they do not study the meanings in tafsir and, and, and try to live the Qur'an, then the Qur'an may be a proof against them, Wallahu al-Musta'an. So this is the importance of acting upon the Qur'an. It's more important than memorizing the Qur'an. The ulama have said, the one who acts without knowledge, he is somebody who resembles the Christians, the Nasara. And the one who does not act upon his knowledge, he has some knowledge, but he does not act upon his knowledge. He has learned something is haram, but he doesn't avoid. He has learned something is fard, but he does not fulfill. Then this person has resembled the Yahud, the Jews. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke about this in the Quran, that we make dua every day, every salah, that we not be of those who are maghdubi alayhim, they have the anger of Allah upon them, nor those who are astray, ad-dalin. And the Prophet sallallahu explained specifically who this refers to. It refers to the maghdubi alayhim is the Jews, and the ad-dalin is the Christians. Why? Because the Jews were, they had more knowledge than the Christians. They actually had knowledge of scripture. And they never accepted, nor did they act upon their knowledge. Whereas the Christians, many of them were ignorant and they followed their desires and they did not act upon knowledge. But the Muslim is the opposite of these two. He seeks knowledge for the sake of Allah and he acts upon his knowledge. And he does not want, nor does he resemble the Jews or the Christians in this way, in any way, ta'ala. So we seek this knowledge for the sake of Allah and for the sake of acting upon this knowledge. Because in that way will we acquire the taqwa of Allah. In that way will we acquire at-taqarub Allah, that closeness to Allah. And in that way will we taste the sweetness of, of our knowledge that we sought. The one who learns but doesn't act will not. He doesn't appreciate his knowledge. He doesn't appreciate his knowledge because, and therefore he doesn't taste the beauty and the sweetness of his knowledge. Wallahu musta'an. Whereas the one who acts, he will acquire the khashya of Allah. That awe of Allah. He will be in awe of Allah. And he will have that fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala along with the love of Allah. And this is why Allah said, إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ that the only ones who have this khashyah, this awe, love and fear of Allah, are the ulama. Because they are the ones who have knowledge, number one, and they are the ones who act upon their knowledge, as Fudayl ibn Iyab, rahimahullah, said, which we mentioned this quote earlier. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said in Surah Baqarah, أَتَأْمُرُونَ النَّاسَ بِالْبِذِّ وَتَنْسَوْنَ أَنفُسَكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ تَأْتَلُونَ الْكِتَابِ أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ This is addressing the Jews, but there's a general message in this for us as well. Addressing the, the Ahlul Kitab, people of the book, but there's a, there's a message in this for us as well. Where Allah says to them, Do you preach righteousness to the people? You instruct them with birr, with, with good deeds and righteousness. 
وَأَنْتُمْ تَتْلُونَ الْكِتَابِ وَتَنْسَوْنَ أَنْفُسَكُمْ But at the same time, you forget about yourselves. So you are preaching one thing. And this perhaps is especially for the, the du'at and the scholars and the students of knowledge who are teaching and preaching. We preach and you preach to others with righteousness. You encourage them to do certain good deeds and so forth. But you forget about yourselves. Yet you are those who recite the scripture. وَأَنْتُمْ تَتْلُونَ الْكِتَابِ You are those who recite the scripture. أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ Allah says, do you not then understand? Don't you understand what you are doing? Subhanallah. So this, as we said, applies to the Ahl Kitab, but there's a message in this for us as well. That when we are telling people to do certain good deeds, we should be the first to be doing those deeds as much and as best as we can and not being of those who forget about ourselves. أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ do you not understand? Do you not see the, the seriousness of the matter? Subhanallah. Ata' Rahimahullah As a shaba youngster, he used to go to Ummul Mu'mineen, Aisha radiallahu anha, the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the mother of the believers. And he used to study with her. And Aisha radiallahu anha was, a, was an alima. She was a faqiha. She was a scholar and a, and a great jurist of this deen. She was a great scholar of this religion. And sahaba would go and study with her. Meaning they would sit behind a barrier and ask her questions. And she would answer questions and write hadith and teach. And this yasta Ata used to go to her and ask questions and learn from her and go home come back, and so forth. Like a student and teacher. And then one day she said to him, Oh youngster, have you acted upon everything that you have learnt? And he said, no. And she then said, why do you then increase the proof of Allah upon us? Why do you then increase the proof of Allah upon us? Subhanallah. And this is as we quoted earlier, that our knowledge is either approved for us, like the Qur'an is either approved for us or against us. Likewise, our knowledge. Our knowledge will either be a testimony that we were righteous and we were of those who acted upon what we learned, or it will be against us, where it will be the biggest regret that we have on the day of Qiyamah. And some scholars brought this hadith in where they mentioned the first people who will be thrown into, the, into Jahannam. Hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu in Sahih Muslim where the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that the first people to be thrown into Jahannam is the alim who used to teach people, the person, the scholar who used to teach others. It's the shaheed, the martyr, the one who was killed on the battlefield. And also, the third person is the generous person, one who gave a lot of sadaqah and so forth. These people will be brought and the scholar will come. It will be said to him, why did you preach and teach? He will say, I did this for the sake of Allah. It will be said to him, Kadhabd, you have lied. And he will then be taken and dragged on his face and be thrown into the fire of Jahannam. Then the, the shaheed or the martyr or the person who was killed on the battlefield will be brought and he will, it will be said to him, why did you sacrifice your life on the battlefield? And he will say, I did this for the sake of Allah. It will be said to him, you have lied. 
you did this so people can say, what a brave man this is. And he will be dragged upon his face and thrown into Jahannam. And the same with a generous person. Why did you give charity? You will say, I did this for the sake of Allah. You will be said to him, you have lied. You did this so people can say what a generous person this is. And he will be dragged on his face and thrown into Jahannam. So the scholar in this hadith is about Riyya. Yes, the hadith is about to, is a warning on, on showing off in acts of worship. Because these people, they did this great act of worship. Great acts of worship. Seeking knowledge and teaching others. Jihad. Sadaqah and so forth. Yet because they were not sincere, they were thrown firstly into the fire. And we're mentioning this hadith here because of great benefit in it. Number one, in terms of ikhlas and avoiding riyah. And secondly, this person, this alim, surely he was not sincere and therefore he did not act upon his knowledge in a sincere way. Hence the ayah is applicable in this context as well. Subhanallah. So this is a great warning for every Muslim, especially the students of deen, to have, number one, is sincerity towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every action. And secondly, to make sure that he acts upon his knowledge, every Muslim. And not to be of those who are like donkeys who carry the books on their backs. It doesn't benefit them. But rather he should be sincere and act upon his knowledge. If a person lives by this, if any person lives by these two principles, sincerity with Allah and acting upon his knowledge according to the sunnah of Rasulullah wasallam, he will achieve ultimate success in this world and the year after. He will achieve happiness in this world and the year after. ta'ala. To end off, Rasulullah wasallam used to ask Allah ta'ala every morning Immediately after the Fajr Salah, he used to say, Allahumma inni as'aluka ilman nafi'a wa rizqan tayyiba wa amalan mutaqabbala. Oh Allah, I ask you for beneficial knowledge, for good, pure wealth, and for deeds that are accepted. And of course, I'll focus on this. This is, this is a, a very uh, all-encompassing dua that is so important that each person makes every morning sincerely. And the main focus here is that we ask Allah for beneficial knowledge every day. And not any knowledge, but beneficial knowledge. Because it's that knowledge which is included with actions. And not just knowledge that is, uh, you know, that we can just quote and speak about and quote scholars. And this knowledge is about that which we act upon. Wallahu a'lam. Um, next week, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, we'll move on to the next topic which is ad-da'watu which is after seeking knowledge, after we've understood the importance of acting upon the knowledge and we act upon our knowledge, is the importance of giving da'wah to this knowledge, is the importance of calling others to um, calling others to this knowledge that we've acquired, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. Wallahu a'lam, wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. So if there are any questions uh, before we end off, uh, we will answer whatever we can, are able to answer in the light ta'ala. To become a strong Muslim in faith, I keep being so close. Um, the questioner basically mentions that I want to become a stronger Muslim 
I keep feeling so close and feel like he's all, Allah's always guiding me to the right thing. But sometimes I don't feel like anything, feel anything like my, I don't feel anything like my faith. I know it's disrespectful. So, Allah Alam, um, this is, this is, I think this is normal because if you look at the hadith, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or the Sahaba Radiallahu Anhum, they, they mentioned this. They had the same concern that at times they felt the Iman was strong. They were with the Prophet ﷺ in his company, and when they left his company, they felt weak. And so they complained, or they were worried about this, and they mentioned this to Rasulullah ﷺ. And he gave them glad tidings, that this is the, the nature of Iman. Iman goes up and it goes down. Our Iman is strong at times, and it's weaker at times. But it's also something that we need to work on all the time. So if we are feeling low at times, this happens to all people. This happens to to scholars, this happens to most people. It's at that moment where you turn to Allah Azza wa Jal. You renew your iman by saying La ilaha illallah. You make adhkar, istighfar, you recite the Quran and so forth. And at times when you're feeling strong, you should exert yourself even more. So I think this is a sign, or it's one of the one of the signs of iman, that our iman is not stagnant. Iman fluctuates. At times it's high, at times it's low, at times it's moderate. At the end of the day, we strive to increase our iman at all times. Al-Iman yazidu bil-ta'ah. Our aqeedah says that, our belief is, and the Quran affirms this of course, that iman increases with righteousness and good deeds and obedience to Allah and the Messenger. And it also decreases with sin. So our iman can go up and down. This is something that happens. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also said in the hadith, when your good deeds make you happy and your bad deeds make you sad, this is a sign of iman. This is a sign of Iman. So this is something normal, inshallah. This happens to most people, if not all people, where there's times where you feel strong and there's times that you feel a bit weak. This is not necessarily a sign that you are uh, a bad person or, or a bad Muslim or destroyed. At the end of the day, this is the nature of, of Iman. It goes up and it goes down. Our faith goes up and goes down and, and so forth. So alhamdulillah, we, 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 uh, we, we do not lose hope in the mercy of Allah. When we are weak, we turn to Allah. When we are strong, we turn to Allah. And we exert ourselves and we do as much as we can. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. If people at least make small steps towards becoming a better Muslim, sometimes can you give us some examples? Small steps to becoming a better Muslim? Yes, of course. Um, examples? I would say it starts with giving up our bad habits. It starts with rectifying our fears. Um, whatever, and we all have our sins. We all have our weaknesses. Try to work on that. Try to work on that as best as possible. Whether it's in terms of haram that we need to give up, give it up as best as possible. And ask Allah Azza wa Jal for steadfastness and for assistance. And then look at the wajibat in your life. Are you falling short in any regards? If so, fulfill the wajibat first and foremost. Start with what's most important, and that's how it should start. This is small steps. Start if salah is an issue, turn to make sure the salah is fixed up. It's the, it's the most important of all affairs after our belief, um, and so forth. Small things. Focus on the basics. Focus on the basics. Seek knowledge about the basics of the religion, and. Work on rectifying the basics. If we rectify the basics, we'll be successful. If we rectify the basics, salah, zakah, fasting, and so forth, 
and we work on it, we perfect it as best as we can, we'll find success in this and Allah Azza wa Jalla knows best. Is the Quran eternal in your Sheikh? Of course. Yes, of course it's eternal. The Quran is, is from the Kalamullah, it's, it's something which is from the attributes of Allah, the speech of Allah, and therefore it is eternal and Allah knows best. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi alaikum wassalamu warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Suffering from OCD, how can I deal with it? Uh, waswasa is um, again a major issue that many people suffer from, and there is treatments for waswasa. Number one is seek knowledge. Seek knowledge. Uh, I believe that the knowledge is the cure to waswasa in a general sense. So it depends what your waswasa is about. Some people have waswasa regarding Allah. Some people have waswasa uh, regarding purity. Some have waswasa in the salah and so forth. Wherever you find that the waswasa is strong and it comes and it affects you, seek knowledge on those issues. And so when the shaitan suggests something to you or he casts some doubt on some issue, you should have the knowledge on how to answer those doubts. So if the shaitan tells you something... Uh, for example, he says that you're in the salah and then he puts some doubt in your mind over whether you broke your wudu or not. You nullified your wudu or not. You should then know that, listen, if this is doubt, if this is doubt, I don't pay attention to doubts. Because the principle that we live with is that certainty is not removed with doubt. And I know that I took my wudu, whether I broke my wudu or not, is doubtful. So in Islam, we don't pay attention to doubt. We only act upon what's certain. So you expel that doubt that comes from the shaitan based upon knowledge. This is what I mean by seeking knowledge. Because if you have the knowledge with you, that knowledge will be a barrier and a protection for you against the waswasa. It will teach you, it will, that knowledge will be there as a shield to deflect the waswasa. Secondly, when you are experiencing whispers from the shaitan, Allah Azza wa Jal tells us in the Qur'an, that when this happens, فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ Seek refuge in Allah from the accursed shaitan. So when this happens, say, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ And say it sincerely, knowing what it means, I seek protection and safety and refuge in Allah, who is the ultimate protector from shaitan, from his whispers, from his plots, from his ploys and so forth. Also, we should protect ourselves on a daily basis. For example, Make your adhkar of sabah and masa. Make your adhkar in the morning and evening. That's from the sunnah of the Prophet because there is the best of protections in there. Uphold your salah. After every salah, recite the three quls. The mu'awwidat. The surahs of protection. And every morning should be recited three times. Every evening three times. And before you sleep three times. And so forth. This is a general... Uh, you know, way to combat waswasa. This is a gentle way to to combat waswasa. Um, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Is death beyond our imagination? Uh, Allah A'lam. We are encouraged in Islam to think about death. Aktiru dhikra hadim al-laddat. We are encouraged, the Prophet said, remember often the destroyer of pleasures. Remember often the destroyer of pleasures. 
what exactly death is like, nobody can really tell you from experience. But we know from certain ahadith that the ruh of the Muslim, when it's pulled, the true believer, it will be smooth and, and you know, he's, he will feel some, some pain because the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that the pangs of death is real and it was, it was heavy upon him even. So there will be some, some of those difficulties that will be experienced. But the closer the person is to Allah, the smoother his ruh will be pulled. Um, whereas if the person is further away from Allah, is a disbeliever, he has rejected the Quran, the Sunnah and so forth, then perhaps or the way that his soul will be pulled will be excruciating and so forth. But exactly what will happen, how death happens, when death will come, this is obviously with the knowledge of Allah Azza wa Jal alone. All we need to remember is that death is a certainty. If there's one certainty in this world, it's death. Destroyer of pleasures means the dis- it means death. It means death. death. Death comes and it destroys this world and the pleasures of this world. Um, so, is it beyond our is it beyond our imagination? Well, the realities of it, specifics of it, we don't we, we don't know. But we know it's going to happen. So we live in preparation for death. This is why we are encouraged to think about death, knowing that it could, it could happen any time. So we should try and be in a state where we are always ready to die, in the, meaning that we are not in a bad state of iman. We're not doing major sins and so forth. So we love doing good deeds and so forth, hoping that this is the way that we will, we will die in a good way, and that's the way we'll be resurrected as well. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. If a person is the Quran does not do any research, the true meaning of what category of people is that. Allah Alam. Um, but as I said, the, the reason the Quran was revealed is to is to is to reflect over it. And Ibn Kathir rahimahullah, you know, in Surah Furqan, Allah Azza wa Jal said, وَقَالَ الرَّسُولُ يَا رَبِّ إِنَّ قَوْمِ هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ مَهْجُورًا Allah said in Surah Furqan that the messenger said and complained. And he said, my Lord, my people have taken this Qur'an and deserted it. The messenger complained and said, my people have taken this Qur'an, this book, and he ha- they have deserted it. They've made hijrah from the book, basically. They've neglected the book. So Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, in his tafsir on this ayah, he gives a number of examples of deserting the book. And from those examples, he said, are those who neglect to recite it, are those who neglect to study the meanings, are those who do not act upon its teachings, are those who prefer poetry and songs over the Qur'an. And he mentioned a long list of examples of those who are considered as those who desert the Qur'an. Of those people is those who do not bother to study the meanings of the Qur'an. So what category of people this is? The person is a Muslim. If he believes in the Qur'an and believes in Allah and so forth, then yes, he's a Muslim. But it means that his level of iman is not where it should be. Because his connection with the book of Allah is not where it should be. And in a way he has deserted the Qur'an. In a way. Not maybe completely, no. But in a way he has. And this is a problem. Wallahu a'lam. He's believing in righteous deeds, people in Barzakh. I don't understand this question. Is believing and righteous 
righteous dead people in Barzakh. In ba- yes, or hanging in the tree in Paris. Uh, so, okay, I think I understand. Meaning that the, the dead are in the Barzakh. The dead are in the Barzakh. The souls are, are taken to the Barzakh, which is a station between this world and the year after. They are in the, sta- in the Barzakh, which is a station between this world and the year after. And Allah A'lam. Allah knows best. So they are in the Barzakh. Naam. What dua can I say before studying for my GCEs this year? Um, there's no specific dua that's mentioned in the Quran or the Sunnah for studying exams specifically. Um, but usually there's a dua that's being sent around that said it's a dua for exams. It's not necessarily a specifically a dua for exams, but there is no problem making this dua for exams because it's a dua for ease. So the Prophet taught us certain du'as that we can say in times of difficulty and in times of seeking ease. So the du'a, Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla wa anta taj'alu al-hazna idha shi'ta sahla. This is an example of this. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a general du'a that should be done at any time of difficulty. So this is a du'a that you can make that Allah make it easy. Um, there is no ease except that which you make easy. And you can make that which is difficult easy if you please. This is the general rough translation of the of the of the dua and Allah knows this is an example. You can also make dua in your own language. Any dua is beneficial. The best dua I would say is that in, in, in a case like this where nothing specific has been narrated, then the best thing to do is speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sincerely and directly and ask him in your own language. Ya Allah, make it easy for me, and, and so forth. This would be the best thing to do, and Allah knows best. What surah comes close to helping us understand heaven? Allah A'lam. Read surah Waqi'ah, for example. Read these different surahs um, that Allah mentions, you know, Jannah in throughout the Quran, in various surahs. So, one specific surah, Allah A'lam. We can't consider all mental health issues as waswasa, surely. No, not all mental health issues is waswasa. Waswasa is the insinuating whispers from the shaitan. The question was about OCD. And I believe that OCD is very much related to waswasa. Very much related to waswasa. Can there be a difference between the two? Perhaps, yes. But many times it's actually just waswasa. OCD is the Western term. uh, Obsessive compulsive disorder. So it's a Western term that's been given to this. But we understand what it is from a Sharia point of view that many times it's waswasa from the shaitan. It's the shaitan that's, that's making this person that compulsive person, obsessively compulsive. And it is a disorder. So we understand it as waswasa because it comes from the shaitan that he's confusing the person. He wants the person to start doubting things. He wants the person to always be, you know, um, confused and, and, and repeating things. And it, it basically can drive a person insane, uh, depending how bad it is, depending how bad it is. So we understand it to be a form of waswasa. 
especially when it happens to Muslims, especially when it happens to Muslims. Mental health is a bit more broader than OCD and waswasa, of course. Um, uh, naam, that's a topic on its own, uh, and Allah knows best. <clears throat> Allah mentioned in the description of even for men, is there any for women, ya sheikh? Uh, the general rule is that what will, what the men will get, the women will get the same in a general sense. In a general sense, what men will get, women will get similar or the same. It's not to say that men will be favored in a better way. Rather, the women will be, get well, they'll get whatever they earned, just like men will get whatever they earned. So it doesn't mean that men will be uh better off or favored more or experience better luxury and pleasures absolutely not a person will get what he earns based upon his iman based upon his religion and deen and so forth um, and his actions and so forth um, and Allah knows best Uh, <clears throat> Allah alam. Amin, amin, wa iyaakum, wa antum bajazakumullah khair. Resurrection. Does the Quran bring resurrection? Yes, the Quran, of course, affirms resurrection, that resurrection will take place. If Jesus resurrects a second time, does it mean it's the end of the world and he resurrects everyone? Jesus does not resurrect people. Allah will instruct that they will be resurrected. Um, Jesus will resurrect a second time. So, our understanding with regards to Jesus, peace be upon him, is that we believe that he has not been killed. We believe that he has not been killed because the Quran says, وَمَا قَتَلُوهُ وَمَا صَلَبُوهُ وَلَكِنْ شُبِّهَ لَهُمْ That they did not kill him, nor did they crucify him, but somebody resembled him basically. Right? And then Allah Azza wa Jal mentions shortly after that, بَرَّفَعَهُ اللَّهُ إِلَيْهِ Which means that Allah raised him up towards himself. In the direction of himself, meaning we know that Allah is above his creation. He's above the heavens, above his throne, above his creation in a manner that befits his greatness. So Allah raised Jesus up into heaven. So he was not killed, so he will not be resurrected necessarily. Meaning he, we believe he will return to this world. He will return to this world again. He will return to this world and he will be a Muslim following the teachings of Islam, and he will follow the final prophet who was sent after him, which is Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, peace and blessings be upon him. So he will not do anything with regards to resurrection in this regard. He will then come back. He will have certain missions to fulfill, and then he will pass away. And when after everyone has passed away, this is when the resurrection will take place. This is when resurrection will eventually take place, especially on the day of resurrection and so forth. Everybody will be resurrected in front of. Um, Allah and will be questioned and so forth and Allah knows best.
كان بسيطرة المنتهى تنجنى الله ناس بيست If someone resembled him or killed Ash, is this not a deception? Um, a deception on whose part? So Allah raised him up and people, the people went and crucified him and so forth. But it was not, it was not Isa alayhi salam that they did this too. So this is not a, a fault on, on, on any person necessarily. And Allah knows best. عندهم بزاف والله خير <coughs> طيب uh, I don't see any other questions coming through uh, so we can call it a night inshallah until next week بإذن الله تعالى we'll speak about the next topic which is about uh, the importance of da'wah um, and so forth. Wallahu a'lam. Sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Hidu wa la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.